This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Share with you my passion and the mission for Westminster Baptist Church. Uh, Our passion here at WBC is to connect people with Christ by gather, go, and grow. We want people to gather together with other believers to grow in Christ and to go to serve Him globally and locally. Uh, To do this, we aim to have a discipleship focus here at Westminster Baptist Church that that enables you to do what God's called you to do. We don't want you to feel like you can't do what God has called you to do. So we want to connect you with groups. We want to connect you with serving opportunities. Uh, And as many people say at Westminster, Westminster Baptist Church, sometimes it feels like it's slow here. It takes a while to get connected to groups. It takes a while to get connected to leadership opportunities. That's part of our heart for discipleship. If you're here today, I want you to know a couple things. One is we desire strong, healthy leaders. Leaders who love Jesus, who are able to serve Him, who are gifted to serve Him, who are equipped to serve Him, all of those things, which means that we take time. We take time to to equip. We take time to get to know We want to get to know people. We want to know what they're here for, why they're doing these things. Uh, In my own life, it took me 12 years to get the the doctorate that I got in order to be a lead pastor and to be able to lead this church. So I understand it takes time. Sometimes that can be frustrating. I understand that uh, sometimes you want to get connected quick. But if you're here for the first time and you're like, what is this place about? What are we doing here? I want you to know that we value time. We value people. We value leadership. We value doing right things over long amounts of time and faithfulness so that in God's grace we will establish a culture that is healthy for growing and multiplying people in this kingdom, for reaching a community, and for reaching the lost. All right, so another critical component to what we do here at Westminster Baptist Church is families. We want to help families be healthy. We want to help you thrive. A couple of the ways that we do this is through our family ministries, whether it be kids ministry, student ministry, young adult ministry, premarital work, or marriage counseling. All of these things we value because we value the family. I believe uh, biblically and sociologically that the family is critical to the health of the world. Their communities don't thrive unless families thrive. Yeah, amen. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, communities won't thrive unless uh, families thrive. And in God's kingdom and in God's plan, we know that God has a plan for your family. I believe that God has a plan for each one of you uniquely within your family, for you to lead well for you to love well, for you to live well. We hope that that's my motto in my life, to live, love, and lead well. I hope that you will discover in your own family how to do those things well. And in God's grace, maybe you can connect with the local church, even if it's us, where you can discover how to do that well. You see, when we when we first when I first got here, uh, one of my heart my heart throbs my what really something that makes me move something that keeps me going is to have healthy uh, family ministry because I was a student pastor for ten years. I love students and teenagers growing and being healthy in Christ. In fact, today I got the opportunity to lead our student ministry while our uh, student uh, director is out of town uh, on her uh, honeymoon uh, with my best friend Garrett. Uh, she is uh, away, and so she asked me to do student ministry. And I love being able to work with teenagers. So I have a passion for this. And if you want a place where people are passionate about making disciples, we're not just a place where you can come drop your kids off to have fun, drop teenagers off to have fun, or drop young adults off to have fun. We're a place to challenge people to be who God created them to be. 
Even this morning, I was challenging students to be set apart and to be holy for Christ. And so in all of this, my passion and my hope is that we create a church that helps you as a family honor Christ. I know and I believe that your family is the beginning point of faithfulness to God and that your church family is second. I know that he starts with you in your marriage. He starts with how you lead your children. This church family right here won't be healthy when, if every family in it is not following after Christ and giving him glory. And so to that end, we brought in a family pastor. A family pastor that I didn't know would be also a, cal- a counseling pastor. I didn't know at the time that God would transition him from just leading within the ministry to leading out over the ministry and becoming really a focused on biblical counseling. At that time, I didn't know how, I didn't know at that time how much we needed biblical counseling counseling inside the church. But in God's grace, he used Pastor Bill to open my eyes up to the necessity of leading people from where they are to where God has for them, but through difficult seasons. You see, the reality is we can all shut our mouths and act like nothing is wrong. We can walk through life acting like we're all good and healthy and nothing struggles. We can take this slippery slope down to the place where we struggle with our family, or we can reach out for help. And I didn't know, to be honest, exactly how to give great biblical counsel. Now, Pastor Bill would tell you that I do give good biblical counsel, but I didn't know how to do that effectively until I really started diving into some of what Pastor Bill has taught me. And so I hope over time that I grow as a biblical counselor. But what I do know right now is if I studied the Word of God for many years, Bill studied how to apply the Word of God to people's lives in difficult situations. And so I hope that as a church, I grow. I hope as a church, our leaders grow. And I hope as a church, you will grow in giving biblical wisdom and counsel to one another. It's why over the next few months, Pastor Bill is unveiling a new leadership training for our leaders and for our people to be able to grow as they give biblical counsel to one another. I'll be able to listen to this and training this, and so will you. And I hope that you will take time as leaders to do this. And I hope if you're here for the first time today, or maybe you've been going to this church for a long time, you'll know that we're not just saying that we're going to be a church for those who are far from Christ or church for for families who are struggling, but we're actually backing it up by training, by investing time, investing money, investing leaders, and making sure that we're able to give biblical counsel to families. This is going to be continually a church that fights for families, that helps families. And so it's uh, my joy, my pleasure to bring up one of my best friends and brothers in Christ, Pastor Bill, who's pastor of families and biblical counseling here at WBC to share God's word with you this morning. I'll grab it for you, bro. I got you. And uh, um, to be able to lead you. So I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to continue. Father, thank you for Pastor Bill. Thank you for this church. I pray, Father, you would continue to grow a healthy church that uh, will reach families, grow families, meet them where they need help. And when they ask, they can find it. And when they don't ask, they've been encouraged to step out and to seek it. I pray, Father, that we'd be people who would encourage and spur one another on to love and good deeds. Yes, Father. So, Father, use Pastor Bill. Use him for your glory. Use him for our good. And grow us all closer to you. We love you in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Matt. So, um, I think I'm more thankful that you're picking that up for me because that thing weighs 182 pounds. 
And I'm also thankful that that's where my glasses are because I was literally going, oh my gosh, if I don't have my glasses. Um, yeah, so, wow, where, where, whew. So VBS was amazing. Um, we got to have multiple conversations with kids about coming to faith and um, just had a beautiful conversation with two, two girls that wanted to be baptized and share their faith and uh, what they know. And it just, it was great. God works. It, it, as, he's still in the miracle business and he's still working. And that's, that's what's amazing. So, um, yeah, so we're going to, so today we're going to be in Psalm 13 and I'm not going to keep you forever. I could talk about this for hours though. I could, I really, I just have a heart for helping people through their sins and struggles. Um, but I don't have that time today. I've got about 25 minutes or so. And then uh, Casey and the team are going to come up and lead us in a worship song at the end. But so today we're going to be in Psalm 13. And we're going to be talking about, um, I think, one of two things that the church struggles talking about. The first is, I think, the church struggles sharing their sin struggles with each other. I think generally we're afraid that we're going to be judged or we've been judged in the past on some sin struggle. But the second thing is what we're going to really dive in today, and that's the idea of doubting God. Anybody here ever doubt the Lord? Okay, so I would say, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to work on that. We might at the end have all the hands raised, but um, so doubting the Lord. I think when we hear that phrase, the first thing we think is it's some type of sin. And we're going to talk about really in Psalm 13 and a lot of the Psalms, how uh, David has struggled with the Lord and wanting him to move faster. And we're, we're going to talk about all that. But part of my testimony um, is, and, and let me state this, whenever somebody shares their testimony, one of the things you got to look for is, are they talking about them or are they talking about what the Lord did through them? I will tell you right now, I can take no credit because I'm a knucklehead. It is what the Lord has done in and through me. But there was a moment probably about, so in about 2015 is when I graduated from seminary. I was working full-time in the secular world as a director of sales training for a large company. Um, and I was also part-time at another church. And I, was, I remember saying to my wife, and I apologize, if I point to you all, that's where Michelle was sitting earlier. <laughs> um, I remember saying to Michelle, okay, I'm done with seminary. When's the Lord going to put me in full-time ministry? Because I don't want to be in the secular world anymore. And it was multiple years. It was probably a solid four years till that happened. But I remember at a point really hitting a spot in my life where I really was doubting what the Lord was doing. I remember multiple times saying to God, morning after morning, okay, Lord, why did you have me go to seminary if I'm not going to be doing this all the time? And, and we'll say, uh, him and I went back and forth multiple times. But I really started to doubt, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing, Lord? And in Psalm, we're going we're to see this in Psalm 13, this idea of where David says, Lord, how long? How long? I'm sure we've all asked that question multiple times of the Lord. But 
I'm not the only one. I've met definitely many people who have struggled with doubt, and I have counseled multiple people that struggle with doubt. And I would say that a lot of times when people come to me for a situation, a lot of time it is their view of who God is. I call it like an underlining current. And they have an underlining current of doubt and fear of the Lord or fear of what He's doing. But we can also look to the Bible. It's not just us in 2023. We can look to the Bible. So we see Abraham and Sarah. They doubted the Lord. We see where Moses doubted the Lord when Moses said, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And he was like, are you kidding? Me? Me? And then we see Gideon. He doubted the Lord. But I think the one that most people remember is who? Doubting Thomas. The disciples had just seen Jesus. They came and told Thomas. And what was Thomas's response? Until I see the nail holes in his hands, and until I put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe it. So how did Jesus handle that situation? Again, he did it in a big way. Okay, Thomas, let's go. And, he, and Thomas was able to see it. I think in church setting, we have generally thought of Thomas as a loser, like he failed. I think what's cool, though, is most of us don't know what happened after Thomas saw that happen. And that was Thomas went into Asia Minor and shared the gospel with thousands of people. And he was so on fire for the Lord. Thomas doubted. But then he started to really uh, understand and believe who Jesus was. And we're going to talk about that more. So why do people doubt? Think about it. Why have you doubted? Sometimes it's out of fear. Sometimes it's out of impatience. We tend to be like, okay, Lord, I need this problem solved in the next 17 minutes. And if you don't do that, well, then you're not God. We do that. I'm, I should lead a chapter of the Impatient Society. We all struggle with that at times. At times we're not pleased maybe with how God has uh, served us, say, in the past. Like we've asked for something and it hasn't happened. So there's all these things that come in to us doubting the Lord. But before we turn into Psalm 13, I want to give you a little of the backstory of what's going on here. This psalm was most likely written during David's difficult years of exile when King Saul was pursuing him. And if you've ever read 1 and 2 Samuel, you can read more of this story. But specifically, 1 Samuel 20, verse 3 said, David said this, There was but a step between me and death. David had turned, praise the Lord, David has turned his suffering into song, hence how we have multiple of these psalms. He deals with his, as a good Baptist preacher would do, three F's for you. He deals with his feelings, his foes, and his faith. This psalm is classified as an individual lament, and really it is going, David shows us how to go from despair to trust. So I would say this to this group. There's a really good chance that there's multiple people in here wondering what the Lord is doing in your life right now. 
whether it's some type of maybe disease you're struggling with or there's grief in your family or just something has happened. Maybe you've lost your job, you've lost your home, something. I would ask you to have an open heart and an open mind to see where the Lord leads us in this. I would love to help you go from despair to trusting in the Lord. So Psalm 13, I'm going to read it in its entirety and then we'll look at it together. Psalm 13, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. Verse 5, But I have trusted in your faithful love. Transit, uh, sorry, but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance, and I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. David was promised the throne of Israel, and David was, wait, David was waiting. He was watching Saul do things that were probably, we'll say, unchristlike, and David felt like he was doing all things correctly. He wasn't as much kind of questioning what was going on, but he was really questioning, God, what are you doing? When, Lord, are you going to put me in, my, in the throne you promised me? So the first thing we learn here, and it's a good takeaway for us when we are doubting, is that we see in these first couple verses that David is crying out. David was tired of waiting on the Lord. He had become impatient and his timing, his timing, he felt, probably was better than the Lord's. Anybody believe their timing at times is better than God's? Well, Lord, if I was in control, I would do it this way. Well, I would tell you right now, when I tend to do things on my own without the Lord, I'd say great failure has happened in my life. In my life. Philip Yancey said this in relationship to crying out to God, and he was specifically talking about the book of Job. One bold message in the book of Job is that you can say anything to God. You can throw to Him your grief, your anger, your doubt, your bitterness, your betrayal, your disappointment. He can absorb them all. As often as not, our spiritual giants of the Bible are shown contending with God. As I've shown you earlier, in the Bible we see multiple people kind of struggling with that doubt. I can remember a time saying to God, honestly, with tears in my eyes and much doubt, Lord, when are you going to move in my life? I often picture Him I'm a visual guy. I almost picture God like almost shaking his head like, William, what are you doing? Just relax. <laughs> what I should have been saying was, God, remove the blinders from my eyes so I can see you moving. Because God is always moving. He's always at work. So my question to all of you this day is, when doubt sets in, do you draw cr closer to the Lord? Or do you move far away from Him? Do you draw closer to the Lord? Or do you move farther away from Him? Verse 3, Consider me and answer, Lord my God. 
Restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have triumphed over him and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. Something happens here in this text. You hear David, Lord, how long? Kind of this big picture, how long? But then he moves to more of a specific and he refers to the Lord as Lord my God. He says, restore brightness to my eyes. I see this as David has gotten past maybe the leading of his emotions to more leading back to the Lord. He is being more specific with God. See, when we doubt God, what he is doing is like he's living in, a, in the fog of doubt. So if anybody's ever struggled with doubt with the Lord or maybe um, overwhelmed with our thoughts at times, they sometimes can take us down a pretty destructive path. Um, I think that's a little bit of what David's doing, but what David's doing though is instead of moving away from the Lord, he's, rem- he's moving back towards him and he's continually, continually talking to him. So he moves from that doubt, but he also uh, says that he can also be defeated. He says, my enemy will say they have beaten me. They will rejoice over me. I, th- I see this a little bit as almost David saying, I'm done. What is God doing? He continues this crying out to the Lord. The key for us, though, is, again, instead of him moving apart from the Lord, he continues to press in. And then we have our last two verses. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance, and I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. In my studying, three of the commentaries I thought were neat was they all said that word but is a key piece to this. Because he's saying all these things. Lord, what are you doing? How long? My enemy is getting the best of me. And then he says, but... I have trusted in your faithful love. David is reminded of God's faithful love and he moves from a prayer to rejoicing. So the illustration, I'm an illustration guy. I like a story. I was thinking about how this really can apply to us. And something really stood out to me. So this year uh, will be the seventh year that my wife and I have done what we call staycation. We have four kids. They range from 24 down to 16. And praise the Lord, I'm still alive. Um, Especially because two of them are beautiful girls. And I'm still alive. Um, But so our staycation is we normally do something new every day. We normally go see places. Like the first year, we went to like uh, the Army Heritage Museum up in Carlisle. We did a steamboat ride around Harrisburg. We did uh, Lake Tobias, which is like a safari, some things like that. But I remember when we got in the car with the kids, our deal is Michelle and I love surprising our kids. We love surprising people in general, but we love surprising our kids. So we didn't tell them what we were going to do. So of course, so think about seven years ago, they all get in the car and they're like, where are we going? What time are we getting home? And my, the classic question was, are you going to feed us? <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, have you not seen our food bill? We feed you. We're not going to let you go without food. But over time, 
Over seven years, now the kids are more like, we're excited, what time are we leaving? And what, how the illustration kind of comes into play here is, and it comes in this way, our kids got to know us over that time. They got to see how we would come through in our promises. We promised them we'd have a great time, and we promised them they'd be home in time to go to bed to get up the next day and do another one. And we fed them. Sometimes we even fed them lunch and dinner. (laughs) But we came through in our promises. And they really got to know our heart for what we were trying to do. We moved from, are you going to feed us, to what time do we get to go? Folks, here's the illustration for you. If you don't know who God is, and you don't have a connection to Him, and you're not living your life with Him, there is no, it's absolutely understandable why you're doubting him. How can you doubt somebody that you don't know and don't trust? Over time, spending those years with the Lord. I said to the first service, because in that first service, we've got people 75 up to 95 years old in that first service. I said, I was looking across and I was going, I think about how you all have lived your lives for the Lord and you've got to see him work over and over and over again. That happens by spending time with him. That is the only way I'm telling you right now, Jesus is the answer, folks, and he's the answer to all your problems. And if your problem is doubting, which is okay, the answer is still Jesus Christ. Most of us are questioning God because we do not know Him intimately. We're not in His Word. We're not praying and things like that. David knew God. David had seen God work in his life many times. Think about it, folks. David's the one who God used to take down Goliath. I'm telling you right now, I know for a fact God has taken down many Goliaths in your lives. We have to remind ourselves of that at times. As David is working through his emotions and thought, it leads him to rejoice. Folks, we are called to rejoice in the Lord because of who He is. But there's also a sense of uh, rejoicing because we move from that, we, that fear and that worrying into that idea of trusting the Lord. So let me give you some key application pieces and then we'll, uh, we'll call Casey and the worship team up to lead us in a song. So three things for you. Practical application. Prayer. So folks, prayer can be a hard discipline at times. And I know for a fact, it can be really hard in times of sin and suffering and frustration and doubting and all those things. I'm telling you right now, I'll be 55 in August. I've learned over the years in those moments, those are the times we need to press into Him. Even more than in the good times at times. It is in those times. I will say to my kids, if my kids have heard me say it once, they've literally heard me say it a thousand times. When things are going bad, I always say to them, what's God teaching you about you and what's he teaching you about him? I think of those times when we're doubting. We have those fears and we're concerned. God, what are you doing? Those are the times we press in. It's it's an important time for us to learn more and we do that through prayer. 
We also do that, number two, through God's Word. As a guy that has his undergrad in history, it is good to reread history books to remind ourselves what history teaches us. The Bible also has that piece to it. It's a beautiful history of what Israel went through and what believers before us have gone through. It is good to be in God's Word. His Word is sufficient. It is relevant for today. And third, if you're trying to do this on your own, I'm going to say this, I feel for you. I have at times tried to walk through life alone, and I'm telling you, I could tell you multiple failures. We were meant to be in community. And when you are doubting, especially in a world that's pretty crazy right now, especially in a world where you hear of multiple believers trying to what we would call uh, deconstructing their faith, I would tell you most of them that are doing it, they're doing it on their own. They're not doing it with a body of believers that can speak truth into their lives. You need to be in community. Prayer, God's Word, and community will help you overcome the doubt. Let me give you three gospel responses, and then I'll call the worship team up. Okay, number one, what areas of your life are you doubting God and His goodness? Only you know that inside. Now, I'm not talking clinical anxiety, clinical depression. That's not what I'm saying. Talking mood, not mental, okay? So mood, if you're struggling with some anxiousness or maybe kind of depressed in what you're doing, I would tell you there's probably an underlining theme that you're just not trusting in the Lord. Don't, don't misquote me, okay? Just saying there could possibly be that underlining theme of that idea of doubting what God is doing. What area are you doubting God and His goodness? Two, when you find yourself doubting, are you moving towards Him or are you moving away from Him? Again, only you know that in your heart. And three, I think it's so important to think back to a time when God showed His faithfulness and came through for you. I'm big. If you come to me for counseling, generally we'll talk about journaling because I think this is a great example of journaling. I went back the other day and opened up a journal from about eight years ago, and this is literally what I saw on the first five pages. Prayer answered. Prayer answered. Prayer answered. Like over and over. It is a good... I'm a knucklehead. I need to be reminded of that stuff. Think back to a time when God was faithful and came through for you. Store those up in your memory bank. Journal them if that works for you. I'm telling you, these kinds of things will help you stay grounded. So doubt is not sin. Sin happens based on our response and how we act when we doubt. And lastly, I hope that you let doubt be a way to bring you closer into fellowship with our Lord and Savior. Draw into Him, press into Him, not away from Him. Let me pray for you. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us, Lord. Father, your word is so good, Lord. Father, I know you are a faithful God. And Father, I know personally, even when you have not always answered the prayers the way I wanted them answered, Lord, you have been so faithful to me when I have not always been faithful to you.
Father, I thank You. I thank You for each one in this room, Lord. I thank You for how You're working in every single person in here, Lord. Father, would we, in those times of doubt and concern and fear, Father, would we press into You and not move away from You? Father, thank You for Your Son and what He did on the cross for us, Lord. Man, Lord, no, no better way to show Your faithfulness to us than that. Thank you, Father. We lift this up to you in your holy, precious name. Amen.
Um, remember, you're sending the Mist of Darkness slide up. We hope to see you all next week. Have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.